You're listening to an encore presentation of the Marie Manucherry Show. Marie, myself, Benny, and Jen would like to wish everyone the happiest of holidays and a happy new year. Welcome to the Marie Manucherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Good morning and welcome to the Marine Manu Cherry Show. We are live, although I'm not in the studio with Benny like I normally am. I'm actually at home in my own studio office. Um, so sorry, Benny, but I know Jen's in there to take all the calls. You I'll get over it. <laughs> I miss you so much. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm not there. Not uh, there. But I got a I got a dog walk in this morning, oh, okay. and you know, got to put on a little bit more makeup than I normally <laughs> me do. Me too. <laughs> yeah, you too. Oh, that's so exciting. That's you so know exciting. Me too, you know me too well. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have. We ask everyone to look out your window, you know, just get present, get in the present moment, because that's where everything happens. It happens in the present moment. So I always talk about the weather in Seattle, not too smoky. Our air quality is good. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just that gorgeous, crisp fall weather where the leaves are falling and the sky is overcast, but stunningly beautiful. So if you could just take a peek just for a moment and get present in your own body, because this is where it all happens. And today is one of those days where I get the privilege of interviewing someone who I believe is on the leading edge of thought. And so today I get to interview Jonathan Robinson, who is a best-selling author and frequent Oprah guest. How exciting. Jonathan Robinson set out to find the best ways he could find inner peace by studying with over 100 well-known spiritual teachers in this multi-decade quest, Robinson interviewed everyone from the late Mother Teresa, which I'm very curious about because I've heard doctors say things about her. So that'll be interesting. And Ram Das, one of my favorite um, teachers, who's now, of course, on the other side, to the Dalai Lama and Deepak Chopra. By practicing over 50 spiritual methods and philosophies, he learned what really worked to overcome his depression, which I think will also be interesting to find about, and deliver him to lasting inner peace. In this highly entertaining and practical book, unlike most spiritual books, you will find that this book is full of fun to read, um, excuse me, intermediate useful methods for experiencing more love and inner peace. So this book, The Enlightenment Project, how I went from depression to blast and how you can too by Jonathan Robinson. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you, Marie. I'm looking forward to this. I know it's super, super fun. So how long were you depressed? About five, about four years. Oh. Uh, and I was actually suicidal. This was in my teenage years. And that's really what got me into looking for something better. You know, it started with self-help books and then it got into you know, psychedelics and then meditation and then the guru search and interviewing all the famous gurus in the world. You sound like Timothy Leary and um, Wayne Dyer and all of those guys who, you know, took LSD, a lot of it apparently, and then ended yeah. up in India and fell in love with, you know, spirituality and uh, all of those lovely things. Well, that's it's exciting. I'm sorry for the depression though. I'm very sorry. And it's scary to be suicidal. Yeah, but you know, our, our paths often go through a difficult time before we really begin a sincere search. And so I'm very grateful for those hard years because they got me moving. Yay, 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 yay. So, so the depression was when you were younger. So you've been doing this for a long time, you know, uh, interviewing famous spiritual teachers around the world and learning a lot from their methods mm -hmm. and their impressions um, that, uh, that surprised you and delighted you. And you came up with quite a few, I mean, I really enjoy this book and I'm not easily entertained, quite frankly. I really enjoy it. It's, it's funny. It's interesting. Uh, it's honest. I love the honesty within it too, which I think is an important part of our growth of consciousness. So how long have you been happy? Well, you know, it's always, uh, moving hopefully in the good direction. So I'd say for the last 20 years, I've been in pretty good shape. And, you know, when you come from a place where you're depressed, that 
gives it a double bonus. And I've also been able to share a lot of my favorite greatest hits methods with literally millions of people. You know, I was on the Oprah show a bunch and that has made me very happy as well. That, that is a joyful thing just to bring the knowledge that you have and to anyone who might be able to utilize that information. It is a great, great blessing. You know, it's mm. a great fulfillment. Um, I might skip a little bit around in your book and ask you sure. some questions. I love this chapter on awakening through relationship yoga, which I think is a hysterical and profound way to describe it. Byron Katie is one of my um, favorite teachers. Probably uh, I had a pleasure of interviewing her years ago. Um, and she writes, you quoted her, my experience is that the teachers we need the most are the people we're living with right now, which is so incredibly true. Um, and then you talk about, how uh, Ram Das said that relationships are like yoga. You know, I, I think that's a really beautiful and powerful way to describe it because yoga is not like super easy. I mean, it could be, it could be, but it can also be challenging. Yeah, you know, think of yoga as a path to God. And you know, I like to think that love is our true nature and nothing will show you the obstacles to love more than a romantic relationship, you know? So if you want to see what those obstacles are and clear them out, then a good relationship will do that if you're interested in that particular subject, you know, and, and willing to be honest with yourself. And in the book, you also give um, practical advice and direction. And yeah. one of them for in this particular chapter, I believe it is, where you ask someone who's in partnership to go up to their intimate partner and say, so I'd love to know all the things that are a little challenging about our relationship from your perspective about me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's for the really brave people. And I also asked my mother, you know, what faults do you see or shortcomings do you see in me? And she said, um, how long do you have? You know, because it might take a while. But um, she said, I know exactly what they are because I helped to install them. It's mm -hmm. a very wise profound mother you have what a blessing yes. is that that's really lovely because that's true you know uh children when we come into our bodies you know uh, children don't always know how to move energy in the physical realm even if they've been here a million times we forget mm -hmm. uh, that's why we have that a veil that surrounds earth you know in profound ways and um so we model our energy after the people that we spend time with and so yes that's really true so you must be tight with your mom then well, she's on the other side now, oh. but we had a really sweet uh, connection in her later years. Um, you know, I started meditating when I was 15 and she thought that was like a weird, you know, Eastern Hindu thing. She wouldn't let me meditate in, in the house. And um, many at that time I said, you know, mom, sometimes meditation will be so popular that even your doctor will tell you to do it. Well, fast forward 50 years. And one day she calls me up and she said, guess what my doctor told me I need to do now? And she said, uh, he told me I need to meditate. And I said, woohoo, you know. <laughs> it's always fun to get that validation, especially with your loved ones. Your mother's energy must be extremely powerful because she doesn't feel dead to me. And, and that's mm. not a common thing I sense, you know, with people who have crossed, I'll, I can feel them on the other side, but your mother's very powerful, especially around you. Do you feel like your relationship has evolved even though she's on the other side? Yeah, I have felt like it's evolved and uh, she was a powerful woman for sure. Strong energy. Yeah, very strong, which would be, I mean, can I, I mean, I'm so sorry to be peeking into your childhood, but that would be challenging and, you know, that you, you clearly have awarenesses, you know, that you were an old soul concept and awarenesses from a very young age and to have a strong, powerful person that you love so deeply and um, question your uh, old soul awarenesses that can be really challenging in childhood. Yeah. Though, you know, often challenges are what make you stronger. You know, you, when you go to the gym, you don't complain about the weights that you're lifting. You're, you're saying, well, I put them there so I could become stronger. Yeah. Agreed. 100% agreed. So in the book, you talk about four levels of enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And do you mind going over those a little bit so we can uh, get an idea, our listeners can get an idea where they might be based on, you know, this perception or where they might want to be yeah. uh, based on the perception. 
Yeah, and they're really different. You know, we have one word for enlightenment, uh, just like we have like one word for love, whereas Eskimos have 50 words for snow, you know, for example. So as you get more into this, you realize that there's degradation, there's different types of enlightenment. So location one, you can call it, is what a lot of people of your listeners probably experience, where they know there's an underlying peace somewhere, they go in and out of it, that there's things are basically perfectly okay on one level of reality that they that they are that's always in the background and sometimes in the foreground then location 2 is where that background piece is in the foreground and you never really lose it and there's a sense that everything is coming from one energy that's all connected and you feel you go in and out of that non-dual state where you and the environment are really all part of the same reality. There's not two. Location three is actually a very different thing. It's more like what saints experience where they don't feel like there's so much a person as a presence of love. Hmm. And you know, maybe you or your listeners have gone in and out of that experience for moments. It's it's somewhat rare for people to experience that permanently, but um, you lose a sense of identity or your identity becomes one with love rather than with your ego. And then the location for type of enlightenment is really that you don't have emotions so much. You're just a presence so there's no ongoing ego. It's just like, I just got here. There's an openness, but there's no sense of you. And a lot of gurus experience that. And that's a really interesting state as well. I, I love how you alluded to the fact too, that we can move in and out of these states and perhaps in certain areas of our life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So certain areas of our life, we might hold at one of those levels. And then another area of our life, we're striving to hold you know, number three or number four, you know, yeah. but, and that's just so fun to be in the human world, you know, when you have some level of awarenesses and, and you can see where you shine and wh where you feel at home and, um, and nothing seems to bother you. And, uh, and then the areas of your life where things just piss you off, yeah. <laughs> it makes, it almost makes no sense to your mind. Like how in this one place, then this one moment of time, and then just be in this awkward place. <laughs> But so that's a really beautiful way. I love that you put these you know, into uh, an aspect of perspective and that we can, we kind of wane through these aspects, but consciousness is having the awareness of that. Yeah. And one of the things I tried to write in the Enlightenment Project is how to let go of all those obstacles that keep you from these higher states. You know, Ramdas said that if you want to test your enlightenment, spend a week with your family and see how you do. Right. You know? Exactly. Uh, and and so sometimes I actually put myself in very triggering situations because I want to see what needs to be cleared out. Very smart and very aware of you and brave. Very brave, too. Yeah, because I, I can say I haven't seen one of my relatives in a couple of years <laughs> because of the last experience we had where I was profoundly embarrassed when I walked away with the way I behaved. You uh -huh. know, we both behaved together. And I'm like, OK, I, I need a break. I, I'm, I'm over here now. <laughs> you know, I'm going to stay over here for a while. But yeah, I think that that's a beautiful way to there's just we can test our consciousness all the time. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it's powerful and beautiful and inspiring. And I think when you're willing to do that, it shows that you have grown, you have mm -hmm. grown and you just want to go see, is it still freezing cold or did it warm up a little bit? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you also write in your book that you were surprised as you, and how fun that you traveled the world and got to sit with all these famous people and have profound and amazing experiences with them and, and, and let them invite you into their world. But you notice that some of them, their lives were kind of a mess. Yeah, you know, you can live on two different levels of reality. It's like uh, two channels on the TV. On channel two, the material world, there's you, there's me, people, you know, there's polarization in politics. There's a lot of, a lot of chaos. On channel one, everything's perfect and there's peace and love and we're all one. Well, some of these gurus, live on channel one, but they have very big channel two problems, you know, partly because they haven't really learned how to handle that very well. 
So I like to say that, you know, being able to find peace and love inside you is one wing of a plane. The other wing is to get good at things like communication and money and things like that. You put those two wings together, you can really soar. But if one wing is strong, either like you're good with money and relationships where you're not good at peace or you're good at peace and you're not good at the other things in the world, well, then you're like a, a plane with one wing and you go around circles and then crash. Yikes. Yes. So, so my next question is, what was your experience with Mother Teresa? Well, it's funny what happened with her because I had a, a desire to interview all these people, but I didn't have the money to go to India. So this is back in 1994, I think, and there was no internet. So I go to the library and find a, 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 that she's part of an organization called Sisters of Charity. So I call this number. Now, calling a number in 1994 to get someone in India was like calling a random number and getting somebody on the space station. It just didn't happen, you know. But I call this number, what the hell? You know, I have nothing to lose. And a woman answers, and I say, you know, I'm Jonathan trying to reach Mother Teresa to interview her for a book. Do you know how anybody who knows her, anybody who might be able to reach her? And the woman said, yeah, this is Ma. And I said, yeah, Ma, I want to reach Mother Teresa. And she said, yeah, this is Ma. I, and I recognized the voice. And I said, why'd you pick up the phone? Oh, <laughs> and she my said, gosh. It was ringing when I walked by. And um, I started crying because I couldn't believe this miracle. And uh, she was very sweet and, and answered my questions. One question was... Um, how do you meditate? And she said, well, I don't really meditate. I mostly pray. Mm. I don't know much about meditation, but the Dalai Lama knows a lot about meditation. Would you like his phone number? And I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's how I got to interview him. So it was, you know, I, I think of it as just like grace, a miracle that can happen if you put your heart in the right direction. Well, I think when you're in alignment in terms of what you're meant to do in the world, what feeds you passionately, what excites you, everything lines up. So that yeah. when you call it, uh, you know, an obscure phone number that's thousands and thousands of miles away, the person you're looking for actually picks it up. Yeah. But that's a beautiful story. That's a beautiful, gorgeous story. And I like your story better than the ones that I've heard from a few medical professionals who volunteered for, you know, organizations, Mother Teresa, you know, graciously, um, you know, had and or still has all over the world, even though she's on the other side. Um, but they described her personality as very different. And so obviously in her work mode, she's um, spiky. <laughs> and that's me being very generous with their description of her. They called her, they use different language, you know, you know, like she yeah. probably didn't have a lot of patience, wanted them to do certain things. And so I'm talking, you know, well, she was very focused. You could tell, I mean, that's how she got her organization going. Right. And, you know, some of these enlightened people, whether it be uh, Sai Baba or, uh, you know, any of these people, they sometimes have difficult personalities. Yeah. They are human. Right. Uh, but, you know, when you when you go to a golf teacher, you're not so worried about their personality. You want to learn golf. And right. I wanted to learn what I could from these people, even though sometimes they clearly had faults that were causing them and others trouble. Yeah. So this is perfect analogy, because when I have clients who are interviewing surgeons, I, I always tell them, please do not worry about their bedside manner. Right. You're not going to have an ongoing conversation with this guy. You want him to be, or woman, you want them to be amazing at their job. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So Sai Baba is one of your favorites, right? One of your favorite experiences. Well, I had a magical experience with him. You know, he was uh, a very controversial guru as well and had various sexual problems, you could say. But um, I'm an amateur magician. I wanted to know if he could really manifest things out of thin air. So the first day I'm at his ashram, as he's walking by, he has like, you know, 50,000 people there. But he's walking by me and he puts his hand maybe six inches from my face and starts manifesting all this ash. Well, as a magician, I know how you can do that. So I'm looking for like a false finger or thumb or whatever way people can do that. 
and I couldn't find anything. And, you know, his hand is like right next to my face. And after he makes like a cupful of ash on me, he looks at me and he says, satisfied magic man. Well, I was, yeah, I was satisfied. And then he, he kind of like sneezed on me. And when he did, I remember feeling the force like a Mack truck had hit me and a thought in my head said, let go, you're about to die. So I let go. And then maybe I, I ended up in a new location. What happened is I had blanked out and was in this formless bliss and they carried me to a, a new location to recover. I couldn't feed myself for two or three days. I was in total bliss. And I said, well, that guy has a certain amount of power. Wow, that is incredible. I mean, clearly you have had some amazing experiences and you already believed in spirituality before you set off on this path. But to have, you know, all these profound intertwining realities expressed to you, you know, through, through these powerful people who've been holding energy for long periods of time to help others to evolve is quite remarkable. Yeah, but, you know, the most remarkable thing was when people taught me simple methods that got me in touch with my own love, peace, and gratitude. And so I became kind of like a collector of easy spiritual methods because uh, I wanted them to work on me. And then I ended up making a career out of of teaching other people those methods. So I I couldn't agree with you more. I think that when we're looking at the majority of of human beings on the planet, they don't have time to fly to India and sit in front of a guru for months on end and get dust blown in their face, right? Although they would love it, but they don't have time and they have real problems. And they need quick, fast action activity to get them over the hump so that they can pay their bills or heal their body or fall in love with their children or get a great job or whatever it is that they need to do so that then they can evolve and to um, have those opportunities so they can create the opportunities for them. So yeah. could you share one of your favorite quick action uh, tools? Yeah, I'll share a couple. Uh, one has a pretty funny story. When I was interviewing a lot of teachers, a lot of them mentioned the importance of gratitude for connecting with higher energies. And uh, I'm lazy, so I never kept a gratitude journal. Um, but I had a friend come back from India, and he said he got a magical mantra from his guru that helped him to feel gratitude like all the time. And I said, what's the mantra? You know? And he said, well, you have to go to India and get it directly from the guru. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't want to do it, but I always want the best method. So I, I flew to India. H- have you been to India, Marie? I have not. No, uh, uh, it's a long way away anyway. So I get there and I take a rickshaw for four hours. I'm waiting in line for three hours to talk to the guru. I finally get a chance. And I say, what's your mantra for feeling gratitude all the time? And in an Indian accent, he says, "Ah, yes, my mantra is the most powerful on earth. And he leans in to whisper it in my ear and he says, Whenever possible, feel your heart and say these words. The mantra I give you are the words, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I look at him and I say, that's it? I traveled 20,000 miles to get thank you, that's it? So he looks at me sternly and he says, no, 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 no. That's it, the mantra you have been using. That makes you feel like you never have enough. My mantra is thank you, not that's it. That's it will take you nowhere. <laughs> so I, I, I look at him and I say, well, thanks for nothing. And he says, thanks for nothing is not the mantra. You must feel your heart and then say thank you. So when you see your child or a sunset or a pet, say thank you from your heart many times a day and you'll be filled with gratitude. And, you know, the strange thing is, is if you do this, I mean, like we're talking, we get to talk about this stuff, you know, thank you, God, thank you, universe for that. Uh, We're on a computer, you know, it's all free. We have 20,000 food items in the local market. Thank you. It's a beautiful day. Thank you. Uh, You you have your wonderful dog there. Thank you. You know, it really could be that simple that you feel your heart and say thank you to the universe. And that's a five second method. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I know about 50 methods that take about 10 seconds each. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I think appreciation 
is the true aspect of prayer. I think true mm -hmm. prayer is when you say thank you for that thing that you want in full energetic alignment that that thing is already there, even if you're holding it for just a couple of milliseconds. Yeah. And thank you for that that brisk, you know, beautiful, you know, fall walk with the leaves yeah. crunching underneath my feet and this moment with my cute dog who has a little bit of poop on his backside. <laughs> from a few moments ago that I need to remember to take care of when we get back to the house before he sits on my couch. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. So you have these beautiful analogies throughout your entire book, you know, scattered with beautiful stories that are hilarious because you're actually a very funny person um, that will allow all of us to move, you know, into the next stage of enlightenment, or maybe fully embody the stage that we are experiencing. Do you think soul age has an aspect of enlightenment? Well, that's above my pay grade, but it does <laughs> seem to, to make sense, you know, from what I, I gathered from various gurus, they, you know, they obviously have the idea a lot of reincarnation, and we're evolving through lifetimes. And uh, intuitively, that sounds probably true. Okay. Okay. So in your book, you also talk about trans, um, trans transmissions, which uh -huh. really to me is about energy work, you yeah. know, um, and it's something you don't quite believe in, correct? Or do yeah, I but I don't let my beliefs interfere with my experience. Oh, love that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. So you've had some cool experiences with transmissions. I've had a lot of intense experiences with transmissions, and you know, recently. You know, I, I, it made sense to me that gurus could transmit energy and I'd feel it. But over Zoom, I didn't think that they could do that. But Hello? I've been shown to be totally wrong about that. Right. And um, I just find that fascinating when there's things that are clearly happening that don't fit into my limited material model of the universe. And transmission's one of them that obviously people can transmit energy and receive it and, and do what you do. And I, I love uh l contemplating that and figuring out how it works i now know how all that works Ooh, okay so we have to go really soon but if you could please just tell us quickly and and i just want to we have some people who are on video who are watching the enlightenment project which is your beautiful brand new book which i love 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 um and of course love interviewing you it's been a great joy but go right ahead yeah 10 second version of how everything works in the world is through something called pfm and PFM stands for pure friggin' magic. <laughs> that's a technical explanation if you ever get lost. I, I think that's true. I, yeah. I think it's really true. I, I, I do. think we nailed it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Jonathan, for being on the show. And thank you for being a wonderful author. Jonathan is a New York Times bestselling author. He has many books, but 14, 15 books. Yeah. And this new one, The Enlightenment Project, is an absolute must read. Um, and how can people find you? Well, if they go to theenlightenmentproject.net, they can get five free, my five favorite quick methods and an audio meditation of it and an ebook and the first chapter of the book all for free. So I encourage them to go to theenlightenmentproject.net, put in their email address, they'll get all that for free. And uh, I also have a podcast called Awareness Explorers where I interview uh, spiritual teachers like Byron Katie, Deepak, and all those people. And Love it. Um, that is another way to find out about my work. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We wish you great happiness and wonderful dog walks with your two mini um, retrievers. Yeah. Thank you, Marie. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. And welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here from my office at home. Benny's in the studio and so is Jen. And that was just wonderful to interview Jonathan Robinson and his newest book, The Enlightenment Project. I hope that you find your way to it and enjoy all the wealth of information that's available there. So we're taking people's calls. Yeah, we are. And now let's give out the number 877-825-8828. And uh, we will now take, uh, and, and thanks everyone for waiting so patiently. I know we have a first Yeah, I know, because the, the phone lines are always yeah. full. We so appreciate the people call in totally. from everywhere yep. and are courageous to share their question on the air, which actually helps people who are too afraid to call in or who can't get into the phone lines because our, our phone lines. Yeah. Get really busy. Yes. All right. We'll start things off with Shannon calling in from Seattle. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Benny. How are you? Hi. Good. Thanks. Hi, Marie. Hi, Sh Hi Shannon. What can I do for you today? Uh, I turned 50 this year and Ooh. I'm feeling, I don't know, I'm feeling like 
opening around Ooh. a lot of different things in life, and I'm wondering um, just what you see as being in my highest good. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Based on our perception and our belief systems, we can sometimes have things that we've wanted for a long time happen to us once we reach some sort of chronological age. I don't know why, it, it maybe because of what we were taught when we were kids or maybe past life experiences when we reach a certain digit, we allow ourselves to have some experiences that we wouldn't allow ourselves previously. So that's probably what's happening to you where you're just kind of like, I don't care anymore. Uh, I'm just going to open up. I'm going to be available. I'm going to be receptive. So the beautiful thing about receiving and all of your chakras look great. You're taking in tons of light into every single one of them. You're probably moving into that receptive aspect, which is helping you to feel open. A lot of times when we close down our energy, because I can tell when I look at your aura, which is about eight feet away from your physical body, which is about a foot more than you typically allow it to be. And it's going to continue to expand the auric field is meant to be about three city blocks in every direction surrounding our physical form. And when it is in that space, uh, then we can take in more energy. So you're already expanding your aura, but I think you used to keep your aura kind of closed. Like, <gasps> I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm just going to bundle up and not let anybody in. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So for you, the, the five O's, what's doing it, you know, where you, you somehow feel relaxed about your life. And perhaps in some previous lifetimes, maybe you died young and, and now you've reached five. Like, oh, great. Everything's fine. I can let go now. <laughs> um, so, so keep it up. I would start using, you know, powerful what if questions. What if I'm an incredible receiver? What if I'm in alignment with my authentic self? What if I am completely fulfilled with my passions? I would start using positive what if questions to start generating your energy system to expand. That's awesome. Is okay, there, and happy uh, birthday. Pardon? You. Is there a specific area of life that kind of lights up or that I could think about focusing my, my energy? Well, I mean, really everything for you is now open and opportunities are everywhere. But the two main areas of your life that you are most interested in and you want to expand in, those are the areas I would focus your energy in. So try not to look at this logically. Logic actually doesn't help us, and except for to make sure that you know, I got online with Benny and that I made sure I had water in here and all, all of those things that my internet was plugged into the landline. You know, that's what your logical mind is. Try not to logically figure this out. Be open to the universe to inspire you. Love that. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a beautiful day. All right. You too. Yeah, Thank thanks, you. thanks, Shannon, for joining the show today from the local area of Seattle, 877-825-8828. And uh, now we'll take Jessica calling in from uh, San Antonio, Texas. Hi, Jessica. Hello, Benny. Hi. Hello, Marie. Hello, Jessica. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, my question is, it might be related to another question I have, but I'll start off with a question about my son. My older son, I believe, is seeing spirits. Okay. And I'm wanting to know he's eight if mm -hmm. I'm doing the best I can to help support him. Well, he seems very happy to me. He looks happy and content and enjoying his life. And you're not making it a big deal, but you're making it not, you know, you're not telling him it's not real. So I think you're doing a great job. Is that true? He's happy and content? I think so. Yes. Yeah. He looks great to me. Do, do you yeah. think that you worry too much? Because, you know, worrying is a really yeah. low vibrational <laughs> energy. And, yeah, and, and I, I, you know, I'm a mom, so I understand, of course, all my children are grown and I'm a grandmother now. So it's, you know, a slightly different ball game for me. But worrying actually sends negative energy to yourself. It's an attraction of lower subatomic particles. And it also sends it to other people. Uh, and not that we can, you know, negatively affect other people. It, People are actually powerful beings of light and they're in charge of their own experiences, whether they're conscious of that or not. But I just like to not send negative energy to anyone. That's just my preference. So I think it would be important for you to train yourself to stop the worrying and to be in focused positivity. You can do the what if questions, you know, which are one of my favorite things. What if everyone's doing great and I'm a wonderful mother? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. it's something I, it's been a work in progress. Um, so okay. sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think, you know, it's kind of part of the human condition to worry. We were, I think we were trained pretty early on that if we worry about people, it means it shows that we care. But now that we're understanding that energy 
is in everything, our thoughts, our emotions, our tissues, our belief system, our future, our history, that what we want to do is be in alignment with those particles to the best the, you know, aspect that we possibly can be. So remember, your brain is also yours and you can manage it. Allowing it to run free on the planet is not a good idea. I think the brain needs to be managed often. Yes, like a puppy dog. <laughs> Yeah, like a puppy dog. Is that great? Yeah, great example. I love it. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good day. Bye. Yeah, thanks, Jessica, for calling in from uh, San Antonio, Texas. 877-825-8828 is the number for the show. And we'll take now Frank calling in from Southern California. Hi, Frank. Hi. Um, hello, Vinny and Hi. Marie. Thanks for taking hello, my call. Frank. Yes, what can I do for you? I'm hoping for some guidance or insight on how to overcome an addiction and anxiety that's pretty mm -hmm. deep-seated. Mm -hmm. um, I'm married, and I really love my wife, and I want to be the husband that she deserves. Aww. Hoping for some guidance from you. Well, that's very kind of you. Very, very kind of you. And um, I, I, I think every partner hopes that their person, you know, wants to... Um, show up in a way that is fulfilling for everyone. But so anxiety, actually, a lot of people think that anxiety comes from the brain. I actually don't think so in terms of its original transmission. I think it really comes from the adrenal glands and it's actually from fear. So what happens is that once we get fear going, then we start thinking negatively. And, and this, your wife doesn't like it, by the way, she doesn't like your fearful comments. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. It doesn't make her happy. She, she's tired of it. <laughs> so here's, as we're moving in our evolutionary process, one of the ways that we can kind of move quickly through, uh, you know, aspects is if you want to change something, and of course, for our conversation, we can continue talking about it, but stop talking about it. it if there's something you don't want to have in your life, then talking about it is not a good idea. If someone doesn't want to be poor anymore, they need to stop talking about poverty or bills or a lack of money or their bank accounts because the throat chakra is the highest vibrational vortex in the physical body. So it, when you speak, you send a lot of energy out to your future and your present moment. Everything about you is occurring um, in, in the present moment. And so you're feeding it energy. So you have to stop complaining. You have to stop analyzing and processing. You have to stop worrying. You have to stop being afraid. At least stop speaking about it. And I would, what if questions just seem to be this incredible tool that helps people stop their mind from overanalyzing and processing? Um, and one of the things you could start saying to yourself, and you don't even have to say it out loud. Uh, in fact, they work great just repeating them in your brain. What if my wife loves me just exactly the way I am? What if I'm falling love, in love with myself right now? What if I trust that I'm an incredible being? of light, living a wonderful life here on earth. I want you to start having internal conversations with yourself that match what you truly desire and are more a reflection of who you really are um, instead of thinking about this stuff that's just a waste of your time. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's very, what you're saying is pretty basic, but right. it's something I forget to do all the time. <laughs> So you might want to make some sticky notes because when we're in transition, we do forget, you know, we go back into our brain, we start analyzing and processing, we get distracted. We do forget everyone, everyone does. And so make little sticky notes or put a reminder on your phone, put a, you know, something on the uh, rear view mirror of the car, your computer, just a whole bunch of places so you go, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And then after you do it for a while, it usually takes about five weeks for people to change a, a pattern if they consistently, like if you really want those nice abs, if someone's working out, you got to go to the gym for five weeks, you know, right? Um, so uh, yeah, I think this is easy for you and fun. You deserve this. You deserve to feel that you are a wonderful person because you clearly are. Mm. Thank you. I really appreciate this. You're welcome. And then no more complaining to your wife. She's tired of it. Okay. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> Okay, great. Have a beautiful day. Yeah, thanks, Frank, for joining the show. Uh, I have one solid ab. 
like one solid. <laughs> That's good. I no, like it's it. bad, like Marie. It. It's not the app you're thinking of. <laughs> not at all. Well, well, you've been working really hard on the house, right? So you got that yeah, transformed. Sure. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's important too. Sure. We'll go with that. Okay. 877-825-8828 for the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We'll take now Alice calling in from LA. Hi, Alice. Hi. How are you guys? We are great. Thank you. What can I do for you? Um, well, I'm calling. I feel like I have kind of a general question, but um, I turned 40 this year. I have been divorced for about nine years now. I'm kind of in the dating world in Los Angeles looking for love, and I just feel like I am having a really hard time with it, and I wanted to see if you have any insight around that, like, I don't know if I have a block or what I need to do to find love and partnership in Los Angeles. <laughs> Well, you know, Benny and I love these questions, by the way, we do. We love, love, love questions. I mean, I love medical questions. Those are my absolute favorite, but we love, love questions. So first of all, to find love, you have to fall madly in love with yourself. You know, you have to love yourself, trust yourself, be kind to yourself, be nurturing to yourself, adore yourself. How, how is this sounding in terms of the steps you've been taking, no matter where you live, you, it doesn't matter where you live. Cause a lot of people think, you know, okay, it's, it's because of where I live. No, it doesn't matter. I knew someone who lived in a tiny town in Idaho who had been single for a long, long period of time. And they thought they were never going to meet their partner in that tiny town because they already knew they thought they knew everyone. Well, when this person started to like themselves, they met their future partner who lived in the same tiny town for the same amount of time that they've lived in that same tiny town. <laughs> and they met through mutual friends. So, you know, magic occurs or what we determine is magical when we have our energy in powerful and beautiful receptive places. So how are you at self-love? I think I'm really good at it. Actually. Okay. I've okay. Good. Lot, good. A good. lot of work around that. Yeah. Well, no, give me an example of how you experience self self-worth and or self-love. Well, let's see. I think meditation practice has become a big one just like taking care of my mental health and mm -hmm. practicing like prioritizing my needs a little bit more over others mm -hmm. has been a huge um shift for me so that's been one area i've been trying to focus on self-love um i i love what you just said but i would call that self-care which is very okay. different than self-love so mm -hmm. self-care is, yeah, you meditate, you get a massage. Uh, you know, I, I love to go get my, my, actually my oldest daughter who has two kids, she loves to go get a pedicure from this really cool nail salon that like, you know, it takes like an hour and a half and they're in, you are in these zero gravity chairs and you fall asleep, you know, but all of that is self-care. Self-love yeah. is self-nurturing where you're in your head going, honey, I love you. You're amazing. I'm so proud of you. You're incredible. I adore you. Good job all day long. Because if you want mm -hmm. someone to love you, you need to treat yourself in a very loving way. And we all deserve to be loved first and foremost by ourselves. So that's what self-love is. You see what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So that's what you need to work on. And notice that you don't like it. I mean, because you dropped your energy after it. Like, uh, you know? <laughs> But here's the thing. Things can happen fast. Things can happen very quickly because you're already aware and conscious and you're doing self-care. You're surrounding yourself with positive people or you're staying away from people of low vibration. So you're already doing a lot of things. The self-nurturing aspect or self-love is just something that humanity doesn't understand, even though every self-help book on the planet has talked about it since probably the 1950s, but we still just don't understand yeah. the concept because we have this false impression of what the ego means. It, the definition in all of our dictionaries is completely inaccurate. Ego is actually fear. Anytime we're in fear, that's when we're dancing with our ego and to love oneself and to feel that someone is, that we are precious and deserving and worthy and handsome and beautiful is normal. That's normal. So you do that. And I think things will happen very fast. And, and I don't say that yeah. to everybody. So that's, that's, you know, when you talk to me, it's an intuitive experience. Uh, so, um, and then let us know, call us back when you meet your person. I will. Thank you so much, Marie. You're welcome. <laughs> Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah, I for love that. 
Go ahead. Uh, yeah. No. I just love how people think that they know what self-love is, but it's, it's an experience. Like, like Benny, when you love your boys, your two twin boys that you adore, you adore them. It's that's what self-love is supposed to be like, where you have this emotional experience with yourself in the same capacity. When you have an emotional experience with someone that you love. Very much true. And yeah, it, and it, 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 it connects, it connects right away. You know, it, it, connects. As soon as it hits. Yeah. Yep. And so that's our job is to work on having that experience with ourselves and to open it up. Yep. Right. Open it up. And then we attract wonderful, loving people into our lives. You got it. All right. Uh, let's now take Kathy, who's calling in from Tucson, Arizona. Hi, Kathy. Hello, Marie and Ben. How are you guys? We're good. Thanks. We're lovely. Thank yeah. you. What can I do for you? Well, um, I have been having breathing problems um, mm. and I've had my lungs checked and my heart checked and they all say everything's fine. Good. But um, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought I, until I took a... Um, a hike up in the gorge in uh, Washington and you go straight up and <laughs> I, go in, I go into aerobic breathing. I, not that I feel like I'm faint or anything because I've cut back on my blood pressure medicine and my blood pressure doesn't drop like it used to. And that's what really scared me to go to the doctors to find this out. But then all that is um, taken care of, but I still go into aerobic breathing. It's just like, what is going on with my, breathing and, and when did you do this hike um just about three weeks ago maybe well you know that the air quality has sucked in the area so number one make sure that you are you know hanging out in nature or even walking out in your streets when the air quality is good because air quality has been terrible but here's when i drew out your energy you have a large leak at the back of your heart chakra which also can be attributed to the blood pressure and it affects everything in the chest cavity lungs you know the heart muscle um, breast tissue everything so you leak energy and what happened and you've been doing it for a long time and being told like since age three you're clearly empathic and old soul, all of those lovely things. And uh, empathic people tend to want to give and give and give and give, and they're not good at receiving. And the back of the heart chakra is the highest receptivity center in the physical body. So you're supposed to take energy into your back, not leak it out of your body. And I think after a while, it's just like the blood pressure showed up kind of like, oh, weird, I have elevated blood pressure. After a while, decades, then the body starts to respond, you know, from a physiological perspective. So you have to learn to receive and, and that will help you with your breath. And um, so for you, what I'm hearing is that you're going to feel like you're being mean if you're receiving. You feel like it's almost like you feel that it's a selfish act to be receptive, but we all need to be in balance. We need to be exceptional givers and exceptional receivers. Oh, right. That's so funny. Yes. Yes. It, well, and you know, it's really funny because I talked to you about three weeks ago and all my, um, my talking was, you couldn't, you couldn't understand me. And I, I, it was because I was going to go talk to my son. And, and when I did talk to my son, I lost my breath. I couldn't hardly talk. It was just like, now what? <laughs> so, I, so, so I need some breast exercises or something. Well, to... I mean, that wouldn't hurt actually to take some sort of breath workshop. That would be lovely. And you need to start receiving. What if I easily receive all that I truly deserve? That would be a great what if question for you. And, and what if questions, what they do is they, they, um, actually help the body to calibrate to the solution. So they get your brain to stop thinking about other things because the ego is comfortable with curiosity, whether it's a negative what if question or a positive what if question, and you start to allow your symptomatic particles to calibrate to the solution. So what if I receive with great joy and abundance? What if it's fun for me to receive? What if I stop over giving and allow myself to be receptive? And, I, and I've really been thinking that we're retired. So, you know, I, I'm getting... I am taking care of myself. So it's, I feel like I'm almost being selfish to myself. So yeah. yeah. If you feel that... like you're being selfish, you're on the right track. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. No, good. So things will get better, but you, but work on receptivity. Yes, I will. I will. Thank you so much, Marie. You're welcome. Nice you have again. a beautiful, thank you. Have a beautiful day and 
I know we only have a few minutes left, so we'll, we'll try to get one more in, but I just want to also let everyone know that tomorrow I will be doing a live webinar with East West Center for Self-Realization about universal mediumship. And so join me as we explore the concept of frequency and vibration energies so that we may communicate beyond the veil. You can go to energyintuitive.com and sign up for this 90 minute classes at 5 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow, which is going to be really fun. And as everybody knows, I will be um, doing a beautiful free online event with the Shift Network, Boost Your Frequency and Multisensory Powers. Go to energyintuitive.com to the event page to find out more and sign up. You, you will love it. Perfect. All right. Uh, maybe time for one more. Yes, before the end of the yes. show, Sonia calling in from Kenmore. Hi, Sonia. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I'm just wondering what if the universe has any guidance <laughs> as far as my, I hate the word job, my right oh. livelihood, my purpose. Right. Being. So, so, yes, the universe has a lot of information to say to you. And, of course, this could be very helpful for a lot of other people, too. The first and most important thing that needs to happen for people to find whatever it is that they desire. They first need to get happy with where they are. Ah. So you have to find things that you're off. You don't have to, it's not like fake happy. You have to find things that you're authentic. You can be authentically happy about. It could be about a picture on the wall that's across from your desk mm-hmm. or someone that you work with who you happen to enjoy. Or maybe there's one thing about your job that you like one thing and, and you're going to spend time appreciating that. And then I want you to be in this energy because you don't have to know what it is. That's the funny thing. First of all, it's not going to be what you think. It's going to be a complete and total surprise for most people. I want you to start feeling appreciative that it's already been discovered and that you're already living your powerful and amazing job. It has something to do with writing. I know that for sure. Do you like to write? Writing? No, mm-hmm. not really. Well, <laughs> So, and I didn't think I liked to write either, but you know, I have written a book and I write every single day. I write tons of things uh, for work and I love it. It brings me incredible joy. So a lot of people don't know who they are or what they're capable of doing or what their magnificence is. So writing is what I'm seeing. Uh, So go ahead and start being happy authentically about the things you can be happy. Even if you're happy about it for like five seconds, that's fine. And then perhaps contemplate writing, take a class or Julian Cameron's book, The Writer's Way is a perfect way to start moving into the energies of writing. Does just journaling count? Journaling counts. Of course, that's writing. Yeah. Do you like it? Great. Okay. So writing is part of your future. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Have a beautiful day. Too. Thank you. And we want to thank everyone for calling into the show and for listening to Jonathan. And we thank Jonathan for coming on the show today and enlightening us with his beautiful new book. And we wish everyone beautiful, gorgeous, joyful blessings. Oh, I was going to say the enlightenmentproject.net is where thank you, you Vinny. That's perfect. You can get there and get all the free goodies that Jonathan Mm -hmm. offers on that particular website. Thank you, everyone. We wish you joyful blessings. Have a beautiful day. Bye bye for now. 